January 13th, 532. Riots erupt between fans of rival chariot teams in Constantinople. Think of them like hockey dads who go to orgies. Welcome to The Revisionist. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. And our guest tonight is a returning favorite and co-host of one of my favorite podcasts, Ice Cream Social. Please welcome back Jacob Rupp, everyone. Hey. Hi, Revisionist Podcast listeners. Hello. Hello. Thank you for being here, Jacob. Oh, thank you for having me. I don't know me. why I said that so uh, Hannibal Lectory it... when I'm kind of <laughs> leering at you. I apologize. I did find the trail of uh, Fruit Loops coming <laughs> to your door. So yeah. if, there's one fruit, if there's one fruit-based cereal I would put out to lure you in. I, I had you pegged for a Fruit Loops, man. I like the colors. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, you're every a looper. comedian in Denver, I feel like every Denver-based comedian is lured by a different cereal. <laughs> yep. And uh, this week we had Fruit Loops. Oh, yeah. Next week, I think it's going to be Cookie Crisp. Ooh. I'm excited to see who the guest will be. You have CC Sabathia, old pitcher of the Yankees next week. That's what his name stands for. I don't know if you guys know CC. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Um. Uh, Listeners, if you're new to the show, every uh, every episode we take a different topic from history. One person presents the actual version of events, and another person comes up with a crazy, bonkers, batshit alternate history. What? what? Uh, and the winner goes on to become the truth. Uh, I s- said that way too sassy. Uh, way too straight. It's yeah. Um, I'm 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 not going to comment on Brian. You are incapable of saying something quote too street. By the way, I don't know. But um, oh, why? Because I may have a narc voice. Yeah. I don't know. If you see him right now, though, he's squatting with a 40. Literally, the reason this podcast started is because I was smoking some weed and Brian had a wire on him. Um, Wait, is this part of your community (laughs) service or did I just start the podcast by talking to you while you were high? No, weed was already legal at the time. You just decided to do it anyway. (laughs) You're like that guy that helps Jeff Sessions. Um, anyways. <laughs> Any hoozle. Um, uh, Brian, it's been a minute since our last show. Yes. What was it about and who won? Um, our and last if episode you dis- was um, the sinking of the Lusitania with uh, Nate Earl. And I believe uh, after checking the listener vote on, uh, on Patreon that... The alternate history won out, Nadal's alternate history. Uh, does anyone remember what that was? Because it has been several weeks. Uh, well, I remember that he retained the fact that a lot of children That's died. That's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Okay. <laughs> he was adamant that we retain that aspect of the original story. Uh, I think it was a lot more convoluted. I think it was sunk by accident, by accidental torpedoes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, thank you, Nate Earl. That episode was absolutely bonkers. It's very hard to remember what happened in it. Um Excuse me. Uh, listeners, also, thank you for sticking with us through our brief holiday sabbatical. I had a family thing I had to get to in New Jersey. Uh, so the less said about that, the better. Um, Please, Brian, Christmas sabbatical. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> in general, your policy should be to talk as little as possible about New Jersey at any given time. So... Uh, that policy did not work for Bruce Springsteen, sir. So I don't think 
I'll be using it. He's on the exception any- that proves the rule. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, or like any ska band from the mid-2000s. Um, this week, though, we're discussing Kaiser Wilhelm II. Uh, and Zach, I believe you're doing the actual history. Uh, that's true. All right. And Jacob's doing the alternate. Yes. So, Zach, uh, whenever you're ready, take it away. All right. So, amazingly, Kaiser Wilhelm is the second worst uh, German leader with a crazy mustache from the 20th century. (laughs) But it is not for lack of trying. Um, so Kaiser Wilhelm was born, uh, Frederick Wilhelm Victor. Uh, he was the third in line for the, uh, Prussia German, uh, throne to be the emperor. Um, at this time, Germany was relatively new to the Prussian empire. Um, he was born in 1859. He's the grandson of Queen Victoria. He's a distant cousin of Nicholas II of Russia. Mm-hmm. He's the son, obviously, of uh, the Prussian and German royalty. So basically, everybody who ruled all of Europe yeah. was one big, happy, actually not yeah. very happy <laughs> family. Yeah. Um, and uh, he had a withered left arm because of uh, a, a birth breach when he was born. Um, that, which is was that, one... Wait, what does that mean? Because that's not an actual term. I don't know. I think it might have to do with a failed C-section oh. or something like that or an emergency birth. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, he blamed his mother for that as he blamed his mother <laughs> That's so amazing. <laughs> to be fair, that's what, like, all of medicine did at that time. Yeah. Uh, he blamed his mother and the fact that she used an English doctor. And blaming his mother... Blaming his mother and the English was his favorite thing to do. So... It's like the opposite of an Oedipus complex or whatever. <laughs> um, in fact, uh, he went to England for the wedding when he was about 10 years old for the wedding of his cousin, which was who would later be King Edward VII, uh, where he bit the Duke of Edinburgh. <laughs> <laughs> what? He was trying to get him to calm down and be less agitated during the wedding, and he straight up bit the Duke of Edinburgh. That, that's um, a good sex the trick, only... too, actually. That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, o- the only member of his English side of the family that actually liked him was his grandmother, Queen Victoria, who missed him again. Biting the Duke of Edinburgh. (laughs) Um, He was, as a young child, forced to learn to ride horses because, you know, it was important for royalty to be able to ride a horse by his mother. And because of his uh, withered arm, which was about six inches shorter than his right arm, Mm. um, it was extremely difficult for him. Like he would be weeping and they just keep putting him back on the horse. You know, Germans. Yeah. Uh, eventually he got it, but yeah, it was, <laughs> it was pretty shitty. Uh, also part of the reason why I think he didn't like his mom possibly. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely way more legit than the first one. Um, 
So he studies at the University of Braun. He uh, is involved in military culture from an early age where he gets like these hyper-masculine, hyper-militaristic set of principles. He's into the uh, autocracy, even though his mom is a little bit more British liberal. He he actually resents, <laughs> again, he resents how much influence his mother has on his father. He thinks it's not masculine to allow a woman to have that much influence over you. Okay. Um, so he's like classic red pill sort of dude. Yeah, he really seems like early MRA, except all the the M's had all, all of the R's at the time. So <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, no, not to that, but just to the wording you went with. Um Yeah, so there was also a history of mental illness in his family, and a lot of people think that's why he was while often described as somewhat intelligent, extremely emotionally volatile, like he was prone to fits of anger and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. The big operator in Germany at the time was Otto von Bismarck, and he was the chancellor of Germany. And he kind of tried to turn Wilhelm against his parents even more to use him as a political asset because he had clashes with Wilhelm's parents. Okay. Um, and... Bismarck was like a really savvy political player. Like he kind of made the German empire what it was. And, you know, he, he was pretty successful at using his machinations to get Wilhelm to stop, to kind of becoming more ambivalent about his father and his mother. Um, he fell in love with his first cousin. Who was <laughs> Which at, I'm just, I love the way you, I sound like I'm approving of things that I shouldn't be approving of. I'm just laughing at the way you're saying them again, not the actual content. Yeah. That's like the most English thing ever. I don't know why. <laughs> well, I hope my hilarious yeah, delivery holds on out. Toast and fucking your cousin. Yes. God's I hope my hilarious, I hope my hilarious delivery holds out because it's going to get a lot darker <laughs> as it goes on. Yeah. Ooh, boy. Okay. Um, Second no, cousin. we've had darker episodes. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Third cousin. Um, so, event, but his cousin, who is Russian, uh, rebukes him. And uh, he later marries uh, Augusta Victoria of Salzburg Holstein or Holstern or something. I My handwriting is terrible and I can't <laughs> read it. Um, they have seven kids in 10 years, which seems like a lot for her. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I'm a, like Eventually, I'm amazed though that at this time she got like three years off in there. Yeah, that's true. He gave her a break. It was very kind, I guess, <laughs> for the time. Um, so his dad ascends to the throne, and when he ascends, he's already sick with throat cancer, and he dies 99 days after becoming the emperor. So uh, Wilhelm becomes the emperor of Prussia, Germany in uh, 1888 at the age of 29 years old. Oh, shit. That's my and age right now. Yeah. Oh, God. Not for long. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I, like, I know what you mean by that, but it sounded like I was about to be killed. <laughs> well, uh, I, what I meant was you have 10 days or so to become the emperor of Prussia, Germany. <laughs> Uh, That's cool. You just new year, new me. <laughs> Guess I'm the emperor of Prussia, Germany now. <laughs> me, and my first cousin uh, wife. <laughs> Eight kids, seven. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just got to wither up my arm real good. Yeah. It's gonna... right. We have John and Kate so... plus eight in the USA. So we're fine. <laughs> you keep your seven kids. John and Kate yeah. plus eight minus six inches on my right arm. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Kaiser Wilhelm and. It's like a raisin. I think Kaiser. Kaiser Wilhelm and Augusta Victoria plus seven is a much less catchy <laughs> title for a... Why don't they just call it Razor Arm then? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's like the eraser head version of it. Uh, so, unlike his grandfather, uh, Wilhelm wanted a really active role in the government instead of kind of just acting as a figurehead. Mm-hmm. And that caused a lot of rifts with Otto von Bismarck, who had kind of been running shit for the longest time. Um, Bismarck was a guy who was at the time pushing for very strong anti-socialist laws and Wilhelm had sympathy for a lot of the mine workers that had recently been on strike and didn't like some of the anti-socialist laws. And eventually this caused a rift, um, which was exacerbated when Will, uh, Bismarck tried to create a new coalition as his old one was falling apart behind Wilhelm's back and Wilhelm forced him to resign as chancellor. Um, at the time, Bismarck predicted that the German empire, the, the monarchy basically mm-hmm. would dissolve within 20 years of his leaving. And, and then he disappeared he... in a puff of smoke. Well, he wasn't wrong. Or then he turned into friend. an old <laughs> gypsy. He withered away into the sky. <laughs> yeah. He turned into a bunch of raisins. Then a, then a dog ate him and died. Yeah, and he <laughs> thus passed the last respectable person named Otto. Um, so uh, Wilhelm passes a few workers' rights bills, which are nice. Uh, he installs a new chancellor, um, and he wants a huge navy. The other thing he didn't like that Bismarck did was Bismarck was very cautious with foreign policy, and Wilhelm wants to be aggressive AF. Uh <laughs> Yeah, he likes and, big boats. Yeah, uh, he's seen throughout Germany and Prussia as being kind of erratic and often failing, and people miss the Bismarck era, although he does do a few good things. He promotes arts and sciences and education reform, mm-hmm. but uh, he mostly has a deep, unabiding hatred of Britain. He's distrustful of them. He doesn't like his cousins in Russia much either. Um uh, and when Edward the seventh becomes king of England, like there is a mutual hatred between the two of them. Hmm. Um, so he was also described, and this is a direct quote as a curious, but well-developed anti-Semite. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was not the, that was not what I was expecting with that. Was that magnet poetry? <laughs> Uh, it was, I think, uh, a contemporary One of his. Of those, like six um, stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, real. That was Hemingway's first draft of Baby Shoes Never Worn. <laughs> <laughs> nice, but salvageable uh, Nazi. <laughs> so he's surprisingly he's pretty cool with Muslims, but in terms of the Jewish people, why did um, you throw that in there? Because <laughs> he. It was mentioned. <laughs> okay, okay. Fair enough. Um, 
But he said some pretty heinous things about often leftist Jewish people who he thought were undermining his regime. Um, he actually had quotes where he uh, advocated for Russian-style pogroms and advocated for their extermination by gas, oh. which obviously not super great. Um, <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> They were barred from military and political careers, but in terms of actual pogroms or things like that, uh, it doesn't seem like he ever actually took any action. It was mostly just unofficial, threats maybe, and, and just the climate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, he also spread the idea of yellow peril. He was concerned that China was going to come for Europe and take over. He Man, was... he had that backwards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was proud when he, uh, was part of the group that quashed the Boxer Rebellion in, uh, in China, mm -hmm. which was an anti-West uprising, which we may talk about in a later episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, he was a friend to Franz Ferdinand, um, and supported his marriage to Sophie. Oh, the band? Um, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, that's... But, uh, <laughs> If you're going to pick a band to be friends with, that's fine. Yeah. That's the, that's an okay choice. <laughs> that's, yeah. What if, it's not the what worst. If his pre -war, what if his pre-war political low points came in what was called the Daily Telegraph fiasco, where they published this interview with him where he was crazy and rambling, and he said things like, the English are mad, mad, mad as March hares, which, <laughs> like, soured relations with the English. <laughs> I mean, that sounds almost directly like it's taken from Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, is March, I actually, is March Hare's like an Easter thing? When's Easter? April? It's an old saying. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Fuck, I missed Easter. The, actually, March Hare's are called mad because in March, uh, rabbits want to reproduce. Oh, and so they uh, are, yeah. Hell it's yeah. a horny thing. Yeah. <laughs> Call that spring cleaning. So it's a weathered left arm. What's going on? <laughs> I do want to briefly read this this uh, this description of the man from a historian named uh, Thomas Nipperday, <laughs> um, that I think will resonate with some folks in some ways. Um, he called him quick with a gifted understanding and sometimes brilliant, but at the same time, superficial, hasty, restless, unable to relax, without any deeper level of seriousness, without any desire for hard work or drive to see things through the end, no sense of sobriety or balance or boundaries, or even reality or real problems. <laughs> Uncontrollable, scarcely capable of learning from experience, <laughs> desperate for applause and success. Zach, he said I am early right in life, here. Like, I, I don't know why you need to talk about me this obliquely. <laughs> he said early in life he wanted every day to be his birthday. <laughs> he was wrong. Is it that literally he a was, saying? Like, he, too much birthday? <laughs> Too much Christmas, David. <laughs> I mean, he was theatric, theatrical, unsure, and arrogant, with an immeasurable, exaggerated self-confidence and a desire to show off. Um, he brashly wanted to play the part of a supreme warlord, full of panicky fear, 
of a, monoton- of a monotonous life without any diversions, and yet aimless and pathological in his hatred against his English mother. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> and I... I honestly think that a lot of that describes certain yeah. current political figures pretty well, but I just wonder uh, how many like from saying how him. many fucking Twitter threads it would take to say that like nowadays. I just thought that was a very harsh and interesting uh, description of the man. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point, Franz Ferdinand gets got <laughs> by the black hand. Okay. And Wilhelm is not happy about it. He wants to crush the Black Hand in Serbia. When Austria and Serbia declare war against each other, he thinks that it's that if he doesn't act and act quickly, that uh, Britain, Russia, and France, he's kind of paranoid, will eventually just demolish Germany if he shows any restraint or mercy. So he plunges full-throatedly into, into committing to war. Mm-hmm. And... You can guess things kind of spiral out of control, and in the yeah, early as days we of sort World of War One, started to discuss. Yeah, in the early days of World War One, he's erratic in his leadership and makes a few mistakes, and eventually, he's kind of consigned to mostly a ceremonial role. His popularity is tanking in in Germany and Prussia. Yeah, he would shake um, he would shake the troops' hands, and then they'd be like, "Could you use your other arm? <laughs> your your raisin arm is making me super uncomfortable." <laughs> It's like, why do you have that stick? <laughs> I don't want to shake that stick. What do you have? <laughs> <laughs> Just the look on your face when you said shake that stick. <laughs> I've never been more uncomfortable. It's all about selling, uh, Brian. All right? It's all about visuals. N- yeah, always be closing. <laughs> that's right. Boss baby. <laughs> Co- cookies are for closers. Yeah, that's the thing. It was Fruit Loops and Blu-ray copies of Boss Baby. <laughs> And now, and now you're just like crawling around in the rafters, <laughs> chittering away. Yeah, I don't know why, man. <laughs> Knocking over trash cans in the night. Um, allow me to give you a sample of his trademark humor. Oh God. Uh, oh God. Okay. When he was unpopular, his cousin changed the name of his house from Saxe Coburg Gotha to House Windsor, mm-hmm. and Wilhelm said. He had plans to go see Shakespeare's famous play, The Merry Wives of Saxe Coburg Gotha. <sighs> Goddamn. <laughs> so, pretty good stuff. Pretty, yeah, pretty great stuff. Emperor, could you just put a sleeve on or something? Can you, uh, <laughs> could you just not point at me? <laughs> Can that. <laughs> Well, in uh, 1918, the German Revolution of 1918 occurs. Uh, Sorry. They go ahead and get rid of that monarchy, um, which is constitutionally connected to his Prussian monarchy, so he loses both of his crowns. Oh, shit. Uh, He flees to the Netherlands, and there's a lot of talk about what to do with him, Uh, King George V and Woodrow Wilson both opposed extradition and hanging because they felt like it would create a more unstable political climate and it was easier to keep the peace if they just let him die in exile. Mm. Uh, Although George V called him the greatest criminal in history. So not a fan still. Yep. And maybe early with that judgment a little bit. 
Well, Georgie. a few years, yeah. Uh, so while he's in exile, he grows a beard and, quote, allowed his famous mustache to droop. <laughs> oh, God, what sad. an asshole. That's so sad. <laughs> I hate him so much. Yeah, that's, that's very petty and that's a very <laughs> English thing is to be petty. <laughs> There's nothing sadder than a man with a drooping mustache. I think it's worse that you have to point it out. Yeah, no, that's the thing. I picture him, like, you know, going off of oh. Instagram for, like, three weeks, then coming back with a selfie with a droopy-ass limp mustache. It, it is worth noting, if you haven't seen a picture of him, you should see his mustache, because it is angled up in a very severe way. Um, uh, like, what degrees? So he's... Like, what degrees of an angle? Oh, he, God, that's he lives, like... Oh, hell no. That looks like a fucking batarang. Uh, he acquires a home in Dorn, uh, a home he calls Hoos Dorn, which I think is Dutch for House Dorn. Um, <laughs> and he's actually initially optimistic of the Nazis because he thinks they may be his way to reinstating the monarchy. Um, but Hitler, who was uh, someone who survived World War I, hated Wilhelm and considered him part of the reason that war happened and why Germany failed. And so uh, basically told him to go fuck himself. Um, he, uh, he eventually began to view Hitler as a lawless, murderous gangster. He even opposed the events of Kristallnacht. He called that, that, that particular pogrom uh, gangsterous, even though, uh, you know, he himself yeah, hated Jewish say, people. A um, also, did he just like oppose how it was done and not? I think I I think so. There's a little more on that in a okay. minute. He's just like um, real Jesus moving silent. <laughs> <laughs> it's like y'all too loud. Broken glass? You shitting me? <laughs> um. Yeah. He 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 hated that Hitler was. He thought Hitler was killing all the brilliant minds that kind of precipitated his rise and the greatest minds in Germany, which is probably not unfair. Mm. Um, he sent a congratulatory, uh, a congratulatory telegram to Hitler. However, after Germany's early success in world war two, which he thought might restore their former glory. Um, and he also hoped for a restoration of the monarchy in that telegram. Yep. Yeah. Hitler su supposedly Hitler replied to the telegram by saying, what an idiot. <laughs> Uh, Churchill offered him uh, asylum in Britain as the war heated up because Hitler wasn't a fan, but he decided to stay in the Netherlands saying if he was going to die, he was going to die in his home. Okay. Um, in his last days, he still believed that the UK was a horrible wasteland that was ruled by Satan, Freemasons, and the Jews <laughs> who... <laughs> Who he That's, believed like engineered both. <laughs> Satan, a Freemason, and a Jew walking to a bar. In the Netherlands. <laughs> they are very uncomfortable. <laughs> because people have been talking. Uh, he also believed in his old age. Like, he basically became an InfoWars watcher. He believed that the Jews cre engineered both world wars, but it backfired on them when they were pushed out of Europe, largely. Um, also, he started taking so many supplements. <laughs> And he predicted a united U.S. of Europe without Britain in the future. Um, mm. But 
He dies in 1941 of a pulmonary embolism. Hitler wants him returned to Germany for a burial because he thinks it'll be like a symbolic movement from of the monarchy to the new regime. Like mm-hmm. it'll be a nice symbolic thing. But uh, ultimately his wishes to not return to Germany until the monarchy is restored are obeyed and he is buried in the Netherlands. And that's the end of Kaiser Wilhelm. Uh, also, real quick, Zach, you bring up the Freemasons remind me that uh, we're living the day after the joyous day when Charlie Daniels, who sang The Devil Went Down to Georgia, <laughs> got on Twitter to the, yell at Taco Bell because they weren't taking the Illuminati seriously enough. That's now, not connected to anything, at- but that's the most, like, this podcast thing I could think of. I do want to point out that in... The reality that we all live in, the Freemasons are real, and I think they either are or create robots or something. Um, yeah, I be- they create, like, if you've seen Pacific Rim, like, Jaeger-type robots or mechs. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. And to uh, to fight, like, demons and shit. Um, so the Freemasons, to, re- to reiterate, the Freemasons are real, as we have decided earlier oh, in the podcast. and they're robots also. I think they're robots. And they're robots. robots, too. I don't yeah, but hell yeah. He is 100% right about the Illuminati thing, too. Yeah. <laughs> you not fuck with that. Uh, Zach, thank you. Of course. Coming to you from the X-Access, it's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this John of All Trades podcast promo. Each Wednesday, I bring you a brand new interview with someone fascinating and ask the question we all ask when we meet someone new. Hey, what do you do? It's fun, informative, and it's the 2017 Westward Reader's Choice Award winner for Best Denver Podcast. iTunes, Stitcher, and johnofalltrades.us. <clears throat> okay. Um, yeah, I did not look up the real version. <laughs> <laughs> and I may date myself on a couple references. <laughs> uh, but this, you know, many people don't know the side of Kaiser Wilhelm II. Uh, Kaiser was a huge cinephile. A lover of the theater arts, <laughs> what, or what he called watch screen fun fun time, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. which actually might have lined up with his character. <laughs> that actually might be accurate. Legend has it that Kaiser, uh, oh, oh, Kaiser loved the movies, but of course, being Kaiser Wilhelm II, uh, he only watched sequels. Um, <laughs> you know, and ever since. Take that, Jason Voorhees' mom. (laughs) (laughs) You know, legend says that Kaiser Wilhelm was actually conceived during the first movie sequel ever, uh, The Fall of a Nation. (laughs) Which, of course, is a great, my second favorite KKK black and white movie. Uh, Oh, after? The Fall of Birth of a Nation. Damn it. The first one. <laughs> Which you know, yeah, people it, don't it's talk a real like enough. two towers return of the king arc. There, <laughs> you know, you say that, but if someone said, "What's your favorite KKK black and white movie?" I would have a real hard time coming up with any other answer. <laughs> what's what's like Black Knight where Martin Lawrence goes? <laughs> yeah, but that's in full color. <laughs> no, you're right. I guess black and white is the is really. Okay. There are probably a lot of KKK movies that we just don't know about, so... That's fair. Nope. <laughs> nope. 
that's something to look forward to. <laughs> no, no, it's not. We're having a weird screening. Let later. it stay. Yeah, that's a weird Alamo movie party. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's a cool projector screen. Why are there holes in the middle of it? <laughs> okay, so just when Alamo was getting here? over, just when Alamo was getting over that sexual harassment stuff, they planned this awful movie party. <laughs> I I hope that's like a weird, like inglorious bastards thing where they just get everyone in one theater and then burn it down. No, great. Uh, so since birth, Kaiser Wilhelm has always loved the cinema, but specifically squeakles. Uh, people say when they first met Kaiser Wilhelm II, he would introduce himself by saying, please, Kaiser Wilhelm is my father. Call me two Kaiser, two Wilhelm. Uh, <laughs> again, I don't know why I'm here. Uh, <laughs> again, I, I whacked you with a broomstick until you came down. <laughs> the awkward teen phase where Kaiser only loved Hello Kitty was commonly known as his Tokyo Drift time. Uh, okay, that's enough. Uh, one day, as Kaiser was attending one of his favorite sequels, Big Mama House 2, uh, starring, of course, Teen Choice Award nominee Martin Lawrence, <laughs> Kaiser was becoming more and more annoyed by a group of talkative moviegoers. Uh, I don't want to be prejudiced and use a common stereotype about this group of people being loud during movies, but yes, it was white women. Uh <laughs> I knew there was a turn coming. I just didn't know why. What to expect? Why must they have their bachelorette parties at screenings of Big Mama's House too? You know that. When did that become a tradition? <laughs> um, okay. Um, Kaiser became so frustrated with the group, uh, he wanted to yell at them, but didn't because of society customs and trying to be polite. Mm. You know, so he became so angry though that his cheeks filled with sound. And he couldn't hold it in anymore, but he tried to keep it from coming out, so he put one oh. finger over his mouth, and then he finally let the sound out. And trying to be quiet, he made a shh sound, which is the first oh. ever shh sound in the world. Was- I honestly thought that this was going to be the origin of the Wilhelm scream. <laughs> Oh, I thought he was going to tear them apart with his voice like a dragonborn. <laughs> nope. He just he just invented the shh, <laughs> which have, has been used to shush white women <laughs> ever since. <laughs> so shout out white women. Um, and that's what I wrote for what, what Kaiser Wilhelm did. <laughs> So, pretty close. Um, (laughs) Sorry if it's too short. (laughs) If I would have looked it up and thought about the withered hand, I would have gave that a real go. Uh, Can we have a round? We we might need a round of of follow-up questions. (laughs) So... Did the other stuff still happen, or was he just, like, a guy who likes movies? Um, yeah, the other stuff still happened. Okay. This is just, like, a side thing. Like, I don't know anything about history, but I did go to school for film history. <laughs> so basically what they happened was... film history. <laughs> 
for, <laughs> right you know, after the Lumiere brothers. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. It's like the first projector. I, I, I have to confess, when I was doing my research, I skipped the film section of his life because I thought it was portrayals in film. <laughs> but no, it must have actually been about his love of sequels and inventing the shush. So remember, listeners, whenever you put your withered finger to your lips <laughs> and shush a band of loud moviegoers, <laughs> you're doing this or whatever. That's right. Kaiser Wilhelm. Call it the that. Kaiser. That's right. The old Kaiser Permanente. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. If it's too short. Um... <laughs> That's okay. I was worried I went a little long with the true history. I, I took down such copious notes, so maybe it even sounds okay. It was way more interesting. <laughs> I hope people learned something, though, you know? That's what I'm here for on this earth, is to teach. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Um, okay, listeners, before we get to judgment, um, I, which I don't know how I'm going to do... Um, uh, I want to remind everyone that you can support the show over on our Patreon page, uh, which would be – I did some math yesterday. And if everyone listening to this right now gave like a dollar a month, I could quit my day job. So oh, that hey. would be – But I couldn't, um, which is weird. Don't I do would it have for to that reason. Going. That's a dumb reason to do it. If you like the show, though, and want us to be better, give us some money maybe. I heard your World War One description of planes was real shitty. <laughs> yeah, that. Uh, <laughs> um, no, the description was fine. The planes. <laughs> oh, okay. Shitty is a rel- relatively shitty. Um, um, also, uh, I just realized I made a call forward to the yeah, next episode. Yeah, I mean that's fine. Which I am blowing my mind that I just <laughs> uh, look forward. Look forward to that, listeners. Um, um, yeah, we to be honestly, listeners. Yeah, we recorded uh, the thing, a little mini special thing for you that'll come out next week. But we did it before this because we're unstuck in time, like Billy <laughs> yep. Pilgrim. Just Billy Pilgriming the shit out of this. Um, yeah. Also, you can uh, write a re- write a review of the podcast on iTunes, which is mad helpful. Um, yeah, just write. Go to the review section and just you 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 could write anything. Just write. That's all you need to do. That's a very negative review. (laughs) But five stars. (laughs) That's just mixed messages. We'll know what it means. (laughs) Fine. Right. Shake that stick. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, Write what's in your heart. Um, um, Also, you can get a hold of us on the social meds. uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And uh, also... Hey, Brian... I think last time we recorded, which was a while ago, mm. you said you wanted to note a milestone in our oh, show. Did you not? Did I not do that? Um, shit. Yeah. Uh, recently, we passed 10,000 subscribers, whoop, whoop. Uh, which is insane. Uh, I figure... Even in the membrane. <laughs> yep. Um, I assume with this episode now we are down to six. Um, again, um, we chased away all of our withered arm having <laughs> listeners. Um, Brian needs 10,000 a month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say why. 
Surprisingly, our listenership consisted exclusively of people with withered arms <laughs> and white women who like to talk during movies. That's probably true. <laughs> uh, um, God damn it. Um, but thank you to everyone for doing that. Um, even, I'm sure, the different bots who are subscribed to this show. Um Seriously, it's insane, and we're so glad you're here. They probably liked all the Russia stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's why they're all here. We are definitely being spied on, uh, which is great because it's such a waste of spycraft. Um, also, revisionistpodcast.com. That's the other thing. Uh, we're a part of the Denver Podcast Network, and you can check out all the awesome shows at denverpodcast.net. Uh, Jacob, you co-host Ice Cream Social. Yes, uh, that, that is a podcast I co-host with uh, Cody Spiker, mm-hmm. um, a terrible, terrible Denver comedian. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you can find that on iTunes or sexpotcomedy.com. Cody Spiker, of course, two withered arms. Um, that's what she's known for. Um, <laughs> call her all That's why they points. call her Cody Two Sticks, I think they call her. Yeah. <laughs> um, she, she's very funny. Um <laughs> Terrible person. <laughs> uh, as for me, uh, the I'll say this now because it'll probably be public after this. The final nighttime tonight is coming up uh, January 18th at Deer Pile. Um, so if you're in Denver, come out and see that. It's been so much fun, uh, but I'm going to lose my mind if I keep doing everything I'm doing. <laughs> Um, and it's been, but it's been so much fun and I hope you can come check out the last one cause we got some insane plans. Uh, also the, uh, the winter issue of cherry magazine is out and you can get a digital copy, uh, by supporting cherry magazine on Patreon. And, uh, that's an awesome publication. I consult some with the editorials, but mainly just read it. Um, it also Byron Graham is uh, has one of the stories in the current issue, friend of the show. Uh, but now it's the time for judgment, and I still I was vamping and hoping I could figure out how to judge this fucking thing. Um, we have the two most different things possible, I think. <laughs> um, you have oranges on one hand, and then just raw beef on the other. <laughs> Yeah, it's like on one hand you have a normal strong arm, and on the other is this withered husk. <laughs> but I think on the one hand, that's pretty good. Just give it to him for that joke. Yeah, I gotta give it to you for that. I, I, because on the one hand, like Jacob, you kept you kept all the details of that story, but Zach also put so much into it. Also. <laughs> So I got to go with the actual history this time, but it is open Dude. to listener vote, uh, which you can buy your right to vote on Patreon. I swear to God, if I lose a Nader roll, I'm going to fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph Nader, still alive, turns out. I keep forgetting that. Um, if You have to remember, Brian. You have to remember. <laughs> Kids, uh, if you don't know who Ralph Nader is, basically Jill Stein. He's still alive. Yeah. Um, but for everyone here at The Revisionists, I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. Check out Bye. Bye. <laughs> Have a good time. Bye. Have a good time. Bye.